let's talk about making love. No, not that kind of making love. Did you know that the average person only spends half a percent of their life having sex? Here at Making Love Today, we learn from couples about what they do with the other 99.5% of their time to create meaningful, deeply fulfilling, and long-lasting relationships. So listen up as we hear what our guest couples do outside the bedroom to make their love work. And now, here's your host, Patrick Perkins. Everybody. Welcome out to another episode of Making Love Today. I'm here once again with my wonderful co-host and our resident marriage therapist, Anne Brown. Hi, friends. Hi, Anne. Today, we're going to be talking about Earl and Megan. Now, just to recap a little bit, they met in law school out in Illinois. Earl comes from Chicago. Megan comes from Southern California. They come from different worlds, a little bit of different expectations. This is the first long-distance relationship that we've really delved into, and so they shared some really great pieces of wisdom and advice about how they've made it work, at least for them, and the challenges involved in trying to maintain and build a relationship while not necessarily actually being with each other on a day-to-day basis. With all that in mind, Anne, why don't I just go ahead and turn it over to you, and what exactly stood out to you about Earl and Megan? First of all, I mean, a lot of our couples really enjoy each other, but it was really fun to listen to them talk to each other and interact. And they both just had really good, thoughtful ideas. And that really helped because the element or the skill that we're going to be talking about today is a really complex and diverse one. (laughs) And so it really helped that they were thoughtful about lots of things and could bring it all together and have such good insights about so many different aspects of their relationship. It did seem that they were very thoughtful about it. Clearly, they put a lot of thought and effort into really thinking about what worked best for them. Do you think that perhaps being apart from each other for so long kind of forced them to be a little bit more thoughtful in some ways? Absolutely. And they talk about that. I loved Earl's idea of there's an instruction manual. In fact, he said there's no instruction manual. (laughs) So the way he said it is, you're presented with a complex apparatus, whatever it is, and you're writing the instruction manual as you go. And what are the pieces? What are the components? What step comes before this step? And we're still writing these pieces to understand who we are, how we work together, and our rhythm. And and then he says, writing our custom-made Earl and Megan instruction manual as we go through marriage, that document becomes more robust. It becomes more comprehensive. It becomes more relevant. I don't think there's a point in time when that document is complete, but I think it's certainly better today than it was yesterday. And then later, he was giving advice and said, constantly find ways to reinvent your marriage. Earl and Megan 1.0 won't work in the next stage of our lives. We have to go find new ways to love each other. I'm going to be a very different person, and so will Megan three years down the line. And I think that that's really hitting the nail on the head when it comes to your relationship any relationship, you start out, as John Gottman says, when he's talking about love maps, that's his way of describing this idea that you want to understand different aspects of each other and of your relationship. And you start out with sort of a pencil sketch. And getting to know each other is a lifelong process. And the more you know about each other, the more you feel a strong connection and the more profound and rewarding your relationship becomes. I think that's important. Meaning is something that protects relationships. And understanding each other is a really good way to increase our level of profoundness and rewardingness, if you want to put it that way. (laughs) Our profundity. Our profundity. (laughs) Um. 
But I think that that's really true, that the more you understand about each other in the midst of all of these storms of life or different situations, it really helps you sort of move forward and get through. And so the problem that they start with is that you have that basic sketch, no instruction manual. And that means at the beginning of any relationship, A, you're going to be making a lot of mistakes and doing things that aren't don't quite fit or weren't quite right, or you said the wrong thing, or you did the wrong thing, and you have to be able to figure out how to get through that. But you also have a problem of expectations. And that's interesting, because this is the second couple in a row now that we've had talk about the instruction manual. And uh, Ivana from our last couple, she actually brought it up in a little bit different way. She talked about how we do all come to a relationship with a manual, but it's a manual for us. And we expect our partner to kind of know what that manual is and really kind of where we come into a lot of tension and conflicts within our relationship is that each of us are trying to follow our own manual for what a relationship should look like because we don't have access to our partner's manual. And they're going off essentially a different set of instructions than we are. And those sets of instructions most of the time don't sync up very well. A lot of the friction that happens happens because your partner wasn't following the instructions. <laughs> they were supposed to do this and instead they did that. They thought they were doing it right, whatever it is, right? And you don't think so. And so Vana's point was really good in saying that you have to kind of shut down your own expectations sometimes and realize that they don't have your manual. <laughs> They're not following your instruction book that you have, that you got from your family or from your culture or that you've built for yourself and allow them to do their thing in their way. And I think that there's real wisdom in that. But I think there's also real wisdom in this idea that Earl and Megan have about learning. Megan says there's so many nuances within your relationship that you couldn't adequately explain to someone else. And she's talking about listening to advice from other people and not letting them run your life together, which is true. And it's very good. But that idea that there are so many nuances that only you to really are aware of, or because you're you're the ones living it, is a very astute point here. And so getting to know those nuances and the way that your partner is, or the way that your partner reacts, or the way that your relationship tends to go, or what people like, or what people want, all of those little tiny details matter. And it's really important to understand all those nuances because we are trying to meet each other's expectations. And we're also, this is a really, really important point. We are also trying to be effective in the work that we do on the relationship. Everybody always talking about how relationships are such hard work. And they are, you do have to work, but you can become skilled at your work. You can actually get good at it. But a lot of that being skilled at your work, your relationship work comes from the deep understanding of each other, where you're coming from, where you're going, what's meaningful, how you react to things. All of that understanding feeds into your ability to do a good, powerful job when you are trying to work on your relationship or just help and support each other, which is also relationship work. There's something I've said on here multiple times now is that your partner is not a mind reader. And I think that that applies extremely well in this situation, perhaps particularly in this instance, because, you know, we always say your partner's not a mind reader, but really what it comes down to is your partner is not able to know exactly what your expectations are unless you share it with them. And that's really kind of where the whole idea of that comes from, is that we have expectations for our relationships, both micro and macro expectations, 
We have expectations in individual circumstances, but we also have expectations about our relationship as a whole. And maybe some of those line up with our partner's expectations, but most likely they're not going to in some places and likely in some extremely crucial places. And so that really comes in what you're talking about, of building together, about learning from from each other, gaining this knowledge, is because it's not about learning how to be a mind reader. It's learning how to be able to know our partner's expectations. And if we understand those expectations, we can react in a more appropriate manner. And I think that's really kind of where we get into those couples who say, we've been together so long, it's like we can read each other's minds. No, they're not reading each other's minds. They have a familiarity with the other person's expectations, and so therefore they can act off of those. I think that's absolutely true. And one of the things that I've discovered is I've been researching the idea of understanding your partner and the power that's in that is that it goes way beyond that. That's the idea that a lot of us have already learned about our partner, that we need to manage our own expectations. We need to be careful. We also need to communicate them clearly and that we do our best to help each other meet those expectations that we have for relationships. That's good. But today what we're going to talk about is knowing different aspects of our partner, their personality, their needs, and how each one of those things can be powerful. It's like different kinds of understanding are actually a lever or a tool that can shift things or that can build something or that can move things as we're trying to do these other tasks and build our relationship in all of these different ways. It's like understanding makes it so that you're using the right tool in the right way at the right time and that you have a good hefty amount of power when you need it. That helps us to do the work in so many smart ways. And we're going to actually go through today a list. (laughs) I love lists. We always love lists. (laughs) We're going to go through another list. But this one is different, just highlighting different aspects of the relationship and how understanding can help us when we're trying to work in that area. It's a list of power tools, basically. How to get more power? How do you make your life easier? And how do you make all that hard work that you're putting into your relationship really pay off? Because you're doing it with skill. You're doing it with finesse. You're doing it in just the right way, at just the right time. And that's not mind reading, that's skill. It's essentially a list of our relationship power tools that we can use in all of the various situations that we'll need in order to try and meet those expectations. Yes. And the technical way I'm saying that is translating your understanding into actual support or effectiveness. And so you can be better at relating to your partner when you understand who they are in these different ways. Megan and Earl did a wonderful job of demonstrating so many of these. So we have these beautiful real life examples of how they've done it. And it starts with just the basic things like simple preferences. Megan was talking about when they moved in together, it was just different being around each other all the time. And there's these little things that you didn't really think you cared about that you start to care about that kind of matter especially since you're sort of bumping into each other's really simple things. And I love how Earl responded by saying the little things that you don't think about, that's part of the beauty of marriage. And I just went, that's so true. And let me tell you how. Because all human beings have preferences. We have things that we like about food, about touch, about temperature. Couples fight all the time about how hot or cold it should be. Sleep preferences, surprises preferences. There's so many things. So you ask anybody, what does your partner really hate? They could probably tell you a few great things. (laughs) So that's great. We learn about our partner. There's nothing 
earth-shattering about saying we need to learn more about our partner. I mean, that's kind of relationship 101 in so many ways. So why is that a power tool like you're talking about? Why is that such an important thing? And how can that be really applied more than just the way that all of us know we need to learn about their preferences? So at a very basic level, it helps your life run smoothly, which is really nice. If you think about most of us, we think big, glorious thoughts, we want to change the world. And you know what? We just want our life to run a little bit more smoothly. I just want things to go a little easier. And so this is one of the major mechanisms where you can actually achieve that. So if you know about temperature preferences or sleep preferences, and you get down to the nitty gritty details of them, when you can actually figure out the details of that, you can shape your life together in a way that accommodates a lot of those preferences and make sure that they don't come up. It's like rubbing against each other. It doesn't need to be sandpaper all the time. (laughs) Smooth some of those corners off and make it so that it's It's easier to just interact with each other. But that's one of the major day-to-day ways that we show each other that we care. And so if I know you have a preference and I accommodate it, usually, not all the time, usually the, the person being accommodated feels really cared for. And those little tiny deposits in your relationship bank account, they add up. Those are the money makers. Those are the day-to-day things that you're doing that helps your partner live a better life and be more comfortable. And those are the things that add up to a lot stronger foundation of friendship, a lot stronger connection. It makes a lot of sense. You can think about it in your relationships in life, not even necessarily romantic relationships, but with just any friendships. What really makes you feel cared for more than just pretty much anything else is when somebody essentially knows you as an individual. And what that really means is they know how you are different from other individuals. If your best friend, they know that you're having a hard time and they brought you your favorite flavor of ice cream or something like that, because they know that that is your favorite. That shows that depth of knowledge, that shows that personalization makes you feel cared for. On the flip side of that as well, I think we've all received an extremely impersonal gift before. You try to say, well, I guess it's the thought that counts, but then you realize that this gift really just shows that this person does not understand me at all. They know that giving a gift is a good thing, but in fact, This is doing the opposite of feeling good because it shows me that they don't have a clue who I am as a person. These are all little things, but they really do make a huge impression on us. Absolutely. And if you're looking at it as where's the power and how am I, if this lover is moving things and this is the easy money. This is the simple preferences, knowing them and accommodating them is just a really straightforward, simple way that actually changes a lot and it can be very powerful. So when little kids are just getting to know each other, we always kind of like, you know, smile when they ask all of those basic questions like, so what's your favorite color? What's your favorite food? But maybe they're really onto something there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And if you think of the simplicity sometimes of child friendships, they're just really straightforward sometimes. (laughs) I like you. Let's play. And this is a reflection of that. This is also something that is very straightforward. It doesn't take a lot of in-depth research. It doesn't take any mind reading at all. You just remember the color they like, or you remember the flowers are nice, but roses are better or whatever, you know, (laughs) and you can keep a log. You don't have to share that with your partner, but you could write them down if you have a hard time remembering. It's okay. Big impact, small effort, straightforward execution. This is a great power tool. 
Well, and you can even ask them, and that's okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, please do. But a lot of people just really delight to answer questions about themselves that aren't extremely difficult to answer or embarrassing or personal. <laughs> it's like, sure, I'll tell you what's funny about why I don't like surprises or whatever. Along with this, if you want to go like a little bit more complex, but still not that hard, is daily experiences. Earl really showed this when he was talking about being sensitive to the fact that Megan, well, they got married and she moved to Chicago. And he talked about how she only had him and he had his whole complex network of social life and job and all of these different things. So he says, for instance, say we had a disagreement and I could say, I'm going to do my thing. Whereas Megan's like, okay, what's my thing? My thing's in California. I can't do my thing in Chicago because I don't have a thing. And his understanding of her experience in that moment of saying, oh, her daily experiences don't include all of these other resources or all of these other outlets or all of these other people. And so he's right. Being sensitive to that means that he can't just do his thing. And he needs to be aware of her dependence on him just at that beginning moment of her moving and and she hasn't built it yet. She hasn't built all those resources into her life. And so his understanding of those daily experiences means that he's changing his behavior based on what her resources are and what her daily interactions are. And it would be easy to just ignore that, but his awareness led to accommodation and understanding. And so really asking yourself questions like, what is my partner's typical day like? Or what do they look forward to every day? What do they dread? What's boring? What pressures are they under? But also what do they celebrate? What do they enjoy? Just everyday experiences gives you a really good idea of what's going on in their life. And one of the easiest ways to do this is just that question how was your day? There's just so much power in actually genuinely asking that and then also sharing it. Actually do share how your day was instead of just saying it was fine. Actually sharing what those day-to-day interactions are like, even if it might be really extremely boring, if you're able to integrate their patterns and what happens on the day-to-day basis into your understanding, it can really help you in so many ways in, in understanding your partner better and knowing how you can best support them. Exactly. And so many people go to their friend or their therapist or whoever and say, I just don't get why my partner does whatever. So in this case, Earl might go to his friend and say, I don't understand why Megan reacts so strongly when all I want to do is go hang out with my friends or we have a disagreement and I go and I go over to my parents' house or I don't know. But I don't understand why she's so angry. I don't understand why she's so sad. Her reaction is sort of a mystery to him. If he doesn't have this understanding, when he does have the understanding, he can actually answer that question. Oh, yeah, it's a big deal when I leave because I'm all she's got. Even your example of even if your partner's day was incredibly boring, then you can understand why they come home and they say, let's go out. Let's have fun. Let's do this thing. And maybe your day was really intense and all you want to do is be still, rest and be quiet. And a lot of parents of young children, if they are the person who is home with a baby all the time, their partner comes home and there's this mismatch between wanting to talk because one partner hasn't had much adult interaction they want someone to talk to and the other partner spent all day talking would really like to not have to do that 
for the rest of the evening. And so when you understand your partner's experience, and then it is a lot easier to answer that question. Why are they doing that? So you want to know the answer. You don't just want to ask, how did your day go? You really, really want to understand that answer. And you really want to ask other good questions to dig a little bit and find out, I got betrayed at work by my coworker. And that matters because it's going to influence the way you're interacting and also the way they're feeling in that moment. A lot of times we can take feelings very personally. So my partner's mad or my partner's distracted and I can take it very personally and think that they're mad at me or that they're not interested in me when in fact they're just having a reaction to what happened to them earlier that day. If you can understand where they're coming from, it helps you to better know how to react and to support them. Clearly, it doesn't necessarily make it okay. If you understand why they're snapping at you, it doesn't necessarily make it still okay for them to snap at you like that. But at least you can go in there with that understanding to try and more appropriately respond. Again, it gives you more choices, more power, more ability to be more skillful in how you handle the situation. You don't have to do what they want. You don't have to put up with grumpiness, but it also might mean that if your partner's bored and they just need lots of stimulation and attention that you can't give, that you're a little more understanding when they go out with friends or when they find something else fun to do. And you can make choices about how to accommodate that need that makes more sense both to you and to them, but also that makes the relationship more likely to not have more friction. Right. Because the ultimate goal here should be about having a successful long-term relationship, which is much, much broader than just whether or not you appropriately respond to how your partner's day was or anything along those lines. But as you said, it gives you the choice and it gives you the tools so that when there is any sort of friction there, that's the whole idea of having the power tool. There's no power tool that's appropriate in every single circumstance. But if you're asking the right questions, if you have that knowledge, that Knowledge helps you to be aware of which power tools are appropriate at which point in time to use in the relationship. Yes. And so that understanding of their experiences helps you know what skills to bring in and how to use them the best way. That definitely also seems to ring very true in the example that they gave about how they're living in Chicago and Earl's family wants to get together on a very regular basis. And Megan's like... We've lived a long distance for four years or whatever it was, and I would really like to be able to spend some time with just you and me so that we can build our relationship first before we go and spend all of our free time with your family. And you could very easily see where that could bring up some hard feelings. And Earl even said the automatic reaction is, oh, what, you don't like my family? What's wrong with my family? And you could very easily see how it could just get stuck there of Earl just being upset that, oh, you don't like my family. And then Megan being like, no, that's not it. But then if Earl doesn't get past that initial reaction, then there could easily be resentment that gets built up towards her in-laws. And it can just lead to a very difficult situation. Whereas Earl, in this case, was able to step back and say, okay, I actually do understand where Megan's coming from. It has nothing to do with or very little to do with the family members themselves. It's more of to do with what Megan's used to, what her expectations are, and what she needs right now. So let's figure out how we can work this out as a couple so that we're first meeting the needs of our relationship. And then also we're also meeting the needs of being members of this larger extended family. 
Yes. And that brings up a really good point because you're sort of expanding it from just your day-to-day experience, which is one thing to understand about your partner. And if you move that out and broaden it to now what's my partner's experience of their family and their friends, then that's an even broader idea of understanding. That brings up a really important point in that it gets more complicated as you interact with each other's families, but it helps in that interaction to understand Earl's experience of his own family is not the same as Megan's experience of Earl's family. And while it's very restful and connecting for him, it's a little bit more stressful for her and it can be overwhelming the size of it. Um, She talks about not having uncles and aunts and extended family as much. It's just her immediate family when she gets together with her family. And so it's important for him to understand that her lived experience in that situation is fundamentally different than his lived experience in that situation. And it has nothing to do, like you were saying, with how much she loves his family. It's an experience. And so they were able to understand each other's experiences. And I loved what he said when he was talking about her and their decision to move to California to raise children. He said, Megan is complete when she is fully immersed with her family. I want to see her fully blossom and who she can be. And I think the best place to do that is Southern California. So even though he's attached to his family, definitely, and he enjoys Chicago, he understands her lived experience in her own family and what that does to her as a person to be immersed in that. And he wants to honor and respect that and see that effect happen more and see her really blossom. And that was such a beautiful, powerful way of using his understanding to change the trajectory of their lives together in order to accomplish one of his goals, which is to help her blossom and see her really thrive. And that's power tools right there. Like that's using that understanding in a way that is deeply powerful and meaningful. And their relationship will reap the rewards of that choice and that ability. But one of the ways that you can do that is just to ask yourself questions about how does your partner feel when they're with their family? How close does your partner want to be to their family? Ask your partner those questions. How is that working? What was being in a family like growing up? How are things now? How would your partner like things to be in the future? What's refreshing about being with family? What's hard about being with family? Those kinds of questions can really help that understanding bloom. The thing to know, though, is to let it be complicated. Most people's relationships with their family is complex. There's a lot of paradox. There's some ambivalence. That happens because family relationships have lasted a long time. And you've gone through multiple roles with that same person, which adds to the complexity of the relationship itself. But also your goals in the relationship have shifted multiple times as you've grown together or apart. And so that just means it's going to be more complicated and you're going to have to deal with that. That it is a little complicated or a lot complicated and making space for that in your understanding is really helpful. Some people would like a concrete, clear answer. Do you love your family? Yes or no. And if you love your family, how are we going to behave? And if you don't love your family, we'll just avoid them. And it's not that cut and dried. It never is. And cultural expectations play such a large part of it as well. Even just here, Megan and Earl, they're from the same general macro culture of the United States, but because of their individual lived experiences growing up. They come from very different cultures when it comes to 
regular interactions with extended family members. And so the expectations can be very different. So something that we might just take for granted about what ideal family interactions should look like may be very different between us and our partner. Well, I think they brought that up. And this is a whole different aspect of your partner that you can grow to understand. When they were talking about the difference between culture, Southern California versus Chicago, how they balance each other out in a lot of ways. There's this tendency from Megan to want to be nice and connected and neighborly and enjoy people. And the Chicago way of being sometimes doesn't feel that way to her when she's on the walking path or whatever, saying hi and no one answers. Whereas, so Earl has this sense of drive and aggression that is really helpful. So he's a little bit faster And he says, maybe I speed her up and she slows me down. Sometimes he can say to her, I think you should be a little more aggressive here. And that speed of action is a difference that a lot of partners run into. And so asking yourself, what is your partner's comfortable rate of doing different things? When they have a goal, how do they like to move towards it? What are the benefits of that speed? Do they want help speeding up or slowing down sometimes? Because we all have different ways of approaching things. Some people kind of circle around a goal and slowly move towards it while doing a lot of other sort of semi-related things. And some people just zero in on that goal and go straight at it and they're very quick. And then some people like to start right away. Some people need time to think and prepare. Some people talk and think very quickly and some people talk and think much more slowly. And that doesn't mean that their ideas are better or worse. Some fast thinkers think really great thoughts, but some of them don't. There's a difference between thinking on your feet and thinking well on your feet. Yes. Um, But also some slow thinkers are just very deliberate and thoughtful and they come up with eventually with really great ideas that they're well thought out. And some people are just really slow. And what comes out the other end wouldn't be any better or worse if it were delivered quickly. So it just really depends and you got to get to know your partner. But respecting that speed is a really important part of what's going on when you're talking about backgrounds and cultures, but also preferences that you can understand what your partner likes to do. And it's so hard when you're like a really fast, let's get it done person and your partner's sort of wandering around the edges of a project. (laughs) Or if you're a really fast talker and a fast thinker and your partner needs some space to really think quietly and talk slowly, that can be very difficult. But they figured out how to make it so that they help each other and accommodate and and move with each other in that sometimes she speeds up and sometimes he slows down and sometimes she gets to learn to be a little more aggressive or assertive in fact they talked about that when they were talking about goals for the future and hopes for the future and that's another area where you want to understand your partner and you want to understand how they do things where are they headed who do they want to become how is that going what helps what hinders earl was talking about understanding each other and the core of who you are and the core of what you want. And then Megan went on to talk about whenever I get discouraged about something or I think I can't do something, he always finds a way to encourage me, not just, oh, babe, you can do it. He'll actually spell out ways that whatever it is I'm trying to do can be accomplished. And he's very much into plans and timelines and writing stuff out. So we sit down and he goes step by step. How can I achieve my goal? And then that's what he'll do. And she even talked about him pushing her and helping her move forward in her goals, not in a judgmental or pushy way. It's just helping her do that thing that is a little bit difficult for her because she's not that go-getter, aggressive sort of person. 
he never made me feel judged for deciding that it wasn't for me when she's talking about coding. And there's always constant support and holding me accountable because that's what she's asked for. That's kind of what she likes and what she needs. And it is approaching their goals and hopes for the future. It takes a lot of understanding to really understand not only what your partner hopes, but how they hope to get there and how they would like to be supported in that. And those are deep, deep wells of understanding to be able to really pull this off the way that Earl did in this particular circumstance, to know when to support by pushing and when to support by not judging when you quit. Those are all goal related, but they're all very different ways of being supportive. And that finesse, that skill at being supportive in all those different nuanced circumstances happens because you have a deep understanding of your partner and where they're at. Again, it's the ideas of the power tools is that you have these power tools for the relationship, these different things that can work at different points in time. But the thing that really gives power to the tools is that knowledge of when is the appropriate time to use them and when's the appropriate time not to. Sometimes the best thing to do as far as encouragement goes is to say, yes, I know you can do this. And honestly, sometimes maybe the best thing to do is say, I understand this is frustrating and maybe it's time to move on to something else. Knowing exactly what the appropriate tool to use in a particular situation with with their partner comes down so much to that level of knowledge that we have of them, their preferences, and what they need in that moment in time. Definitely. And one of the reasons why this particular focusing on goals, hopes for the future and current obstacles to getting there is so important is that feeling supported in our goals is a huge signal to us that the relationship is healthy and safe and that we're cared about. We're always kind of looking for that, trying to figure out if this relationship is working, how well is it working? Do they care about me as much as I care about them? Like there's a part of your brain that literally always focuses on that and wants to determine, is this safe? Am I safe? Is this relationship secure? Is it well connected? And when the signals are saying, yes, it is, this relationship is securely connected and you are safe, then we relax, we enjoy each other and we can go out on a limb and risk sometimes. And when there's that uncertainty and the signals are not there, then our brains like to push us into more of an us versus them. Do I need to protect myself? Do I need to look out for my own interests? Maybe I need to be plan B here. Your brain wants to do that because it's trying to keep you safe. And so using this focus on goals and hopes for the future and helping and supporting somebody in them is actually one of the big levers that we can push to make our partner's brain knock it off (laughs) with all the doubt and knock it off with, do I need to look out for number one and be calm and secure about, okay, I'm fine and I can do for my partner because they're with me. They're supporting me. We're in this together. And as long as we feel like a team then doing for each other isn't scary. But as soon as that starts to crumble a little bit, and one of the things that really helps us feel like our team is supporting each other in our goals and our hopes for the future. I mean, I don't know that Earl loved the idea of coding or being married to someone who was a coder. I don't know if that was a really deeply personally meaningful thing to him, (laughs) but it doesn't matter. It's a goal. It's a hope for the future. So his engagement with that and helping her and supporting really meant a lot. And then it also meant a lot, not just that he supported her when she did code, but then also how he supported her when she decided, oh, wait, maybe this isn't the thing for me after all. Just that extra level of support. You could see 
him kind of being like, well, I put all of this time and effort into supporting you so that you can learn to code. And now after that, you're just going to go, eh, nah, it's not for me after all. There's definitely a level of investment on both ends. But for Earl to have the ability to say, okay, I understand that you tried this and it doesn't work out. I support you in both you trying it and I also support you in it not working out too. That nuance there, it can be incredibly important. Absolutely. And another related way to do this and to think about this is also when it comes to values and beliefs. So goals is one level, but if you really take it up a level to what is meaningful in your life and what is valuable to you and what do you think is important, that's a whole nother level of understanding that can help you make those adjustments when it comes to specific goals. And another way that they did this is values related specifically to the relationship and beliefs about the relationship and what's good in a relationship. So all humans come with a different template for what we think is right and what is best and what feels good. And we kind of talked about this with Vana's manual, the idea that I know how things should go. And these are my expectations. So the more you know about your partner's values and preferences, the more you can work together to be happy. And Megan talked about this when she talked about her own desire to avoid conflict. So for her, a relationship that's good, or one thing she values in a relationship is that there's not a lot of conflict. And so she would go along to get along and that would leave her feeling very drained and very tired. And he could tell that something was wrong and they needed to communicate about that value. And she could realize when it's important to just be upfront about how you're feeling and what's going on so that sometimes conflict isn't a horrible thing. But he doesn't mind just saying what's on his mind. And so maybe for him, a relationship is one where you're just really frank with each other. And that's a value that he has. And so how do you navigate those two values? I mean, those are both good values. Nobody wants to have a conflict-ridden relationship, I hope. But also, people want to be honest with each other and open about what's going on when something does come up. And they're both great values, but being able to talk about them and especially to understand how that value feels to your partner, why it's important, and when that value is not being met, what it feels like, those are really good places to go to understand how they're responding and why they're doing what they're doing. I mean, why are you just going along? Why don't you speak up? That's a great question. Go ahead and answer the question. And also how you want to handle a question about the value when it arises. How do you like to build a romance or a relationship? And what's important to you in that process? And like, these are all really great questions to start asking yourself and each other. And one of the things that Megan said, she said, once you realize that you're in a safe space when it comes to conflict, and then I can say what's on my mind and feel heard and understood, the arguments don't seem to bother me as much. And I think that that was really astute, that once that value is met, so if you're equating conflict with not being safe, you can change that when you realize that you can have a disagreement without it being unsafe. And so once that higher value is met, then the lower sort of how you work out the everyday stuff of how are we going to talk to each other becomes a lot easier. And that's why this is such a powerful tool is when you understand what your partner values, what they think is important, what's meaningful to them in general, but also specific to the relationship, then it becomes easier to meet that in a way that allows you to do all the rest of the things that you need to do, to communicate, to show caring for each other. All these skills become easier when you understand 
the higher arching principles behind what your partner wants. In a lot of ways, it's really about trying to create that safe space, trying to create that safe space so that you do feel accepted, you do feel comfortable. It's only within really that safe space within the relationship that the relationship can really thrive. So there's a lot of different things about answering that question of how do you make your life easier and make all the hard work pay off by deepening your understanding and filling in those love maps and making sure that you get stuff about your partner. It's actually such a big topic that there are quite a few areas of understanding that we haven't even brought up. So I'm going to use our Facebook and our Instagram very consciously to make sure that there's going to be a post about each of them, including the ones we didn't get to. And some of them are more simple, just like we talked about simple preferences. There's what makes your partner joyful, how to help them calm down, those kinds of things. And some of them go a bit deeper, like we've been talking about with values. What are their tender spots? What are the things from their past that come up in their current life? Or what are their worries and fears? So we're going to do posts specific to those so that we don't have to skip them completely. And if you follow along, you can have a more complete list of what does a great love map entail? What are all the little pieces that I should and could be working on in order to add that power to my ability to really work in my relationship and make it better? We'll answer that question. Everybody be on the lookout for that on Instagram and Facebook. Some of the greater ways in which you do the, the, the skill here that we've been discussing. And so I think a good way to end this is on a quote that you alluded to by Earl earlier, where Earl said, constantly find ways to invent, reinvent your marriage. Earl and Megan 1.0 won't work in the next stage of our lives. You've got to find new ways to love each other. You've got to find new hobbies. You've got to find new things to laugh at. The moment you put the relationship on autopilot, you can think you have the most perfect marriage. That's great. But what happens three years down the line, I'm hoping to be a very good person, and so will Megan. You've got to find ways to constantly sharpen the axe. And, and I think that just kind of really sums it up really nicely, this entire skill of translating understanding into support. Going back to the idea of power tools, really the idea of having these tools and this understanding in our relationship is that understanding your partner just makes everything else you're trying to do that much easier. Adds that extra injection of power into everything else that you're doing so that when you are doing something, you're doing it for the right reasons and at the appropriate time. Well, and so that should lead us into then our relationship challenge of the week, which Anne has for us. So a simple thing to do is to just find one stretch of time, at least 15 minutes, that you can devote entirely to getting to know each other better. And this could turn into a weekly or even a daily habit. John Gottman actually recommends daily of finding at least 15 to 20 minutes when you can sit down with each other and ask those questions. Sometimes you'll just be talking about how your day went. Sometimes you'll get into something that's a little bit more deep, like your values or what's important to you or your goals or whatever it is. But whatever it is, spending time actually devoted specifically to getting to know each other better and deepening that understanding is going to be one of the most helpful habits a couple can have period. And if you want to take it to the next level, if you've got something a little bit more complex or more deep to be sharing with each other, it's good to spend some time as an individual 
doing a little journaling or writing about it. Some people like to type. Some people like to talk. Some people like to write, handwrite. Some people would just do an artistic thing. But whatever it is, expressing and thinking about and exploring on your own, something about your past or your hopes or something that really matters to you. And then you come together to share what you wrote or what you did or what you said. And that thinking first and then sharing process can really deepen the sharing that happens. And that's what we're looking for. Broad, you want your love map to not just include one of these aspects or another of these aspects, but to cover lots and lots of areas of life. And also deep, you want to get to the details, you want to get to the underlying ideas, you want to get down into that nitty gritty as your partner is comfortable. Nobody gets to be forced to share. It's important to respect your partner if they have boundaries around something that has been difficult or traumatic for them in the past. You don't get to go digging. They get to decide what to share if that's the case. It's all right to be really polite and kind and respectful around a lot of this sharing. It's always up to the person sharing what they want to share. But it's always nice to have somebody just be there with us as we explore and think about our own experiences, our own preferences. So it can be powerful, even if you don't end up sharing a whole lot of details. Be kind. Don't force them to rewind. (laughs) I hope you leave that. (laughs) We're putting a lot of effort into our Instagram and it would be wonderful if you all have thoughts for Megan and Earl or about this conversation but also if you have questions about this process if you could just jump on instagram and go ahead and either send us a message or comment as i go through each of the different aspects of understanding and say this works for us or i have a question about this and we'd be happy to answer those questions thanks everybody again for listening in with us today i hope that we're all able to be like megan and earl and go out and make love in our lives